0: This is Big Sports Saturday on the Big 1070, 1070 AM and 100.9 FM. Your morning look at the biggest sports stories of the weekend. Catch the show on the iHeartRadio app or at the big1070.com. With Jimmy Cuska. No, 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 no. I don't do two takes. Print it, I'll be in my three-story trailer. And Joel Finkelman. Picking up your sarcasm. Well, I should hope so, because I'm laying it on pretty thick.
1: Welcome to Big Sports Saturday. Oh boy. Oh boy, if you're hearing my voice, that means Jimmy Cuska is not here today. Uh, We, uh, we're going to check in with him around 1030 because he's at an undisclosed location doing ridiculous things and avoiding doing work being here on the show. But today we do have Mike Pilch, MD Pilch on Twitter. I like to throw the Twitter handles out there. I'm Joel Finkelman on Twitter, just uh, F-I-N-K-E-L-M-A-N. But Mike Pilch, how you doing today, buddy?
2: Doing well, doing well. And you're not really lying when you say that he's in an undisclosed location doing silly things this morning. And I hear he's going to tell us what kind of silly
1: things he's actually doing a little bit later. Yeah. Now, look, I missed a couple weeks ago on the show, and uh, that was because of fantasy baseball. So I'm not particularly proud of that, uh, but I don't know if I'm going to be more or less proud if I was him, uh, what he's doing now. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll let you guys be the judges of that. Uh, but hey, plenty to get to in the show today. Obviously, Brewers, first week of uh, you know one time through the rotation, five games here, two and three. We'll talk with Tom Hargicourt. Of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel at 10.15, as well as uh, Ted Davis about the Bucks at 11. So in, in about, what, 57 minutes? All right, cool with Ted Davis. Uh, we'll get to that. Hey, we got more. We got Aaron Rodgers breaking up with his yes. girlfriend or getting broken up with. We don't know. We don't know. We're but... not going to talk about that as a real story, but uh, you can... Bet your butt we're going to use it as a uh, top 10 at 10 story, so uh, you want me just to... You let's want... let's do it. All this right. is my uh, first time with this. Yeah, so <laughs> basically, uh, I didn't give Pilch too much instructions. We'll see if he uh, does well or fails. We have no idea. Uh, but uh, the top 10 to 10 this week, top 10 ways we can get Aaron Rodgers to feel better. Things that he can do to feel better after his breakup, Pilch. Take it away.
2: I'd say we offer him a percentage of all beer sales in Wisconsin.
1: Whoa! That's a lot of money. That is. That would make him happy. He's already got money. Okay. Uh, okay. Can he ever have enough? That's not a a bad one. All right. Number nine. I say he uh, makes a nice guacamole for that huge chip on his shoulder.
2: Very well done. I see what you did there. Number eight. Now he can't get yelled at anymore for leaving the toilet seat up.
1: Oh, so it is just a bonus, just the fact that she's gone. Exactly. That's That's not bad. All right. I said number seven. Be the next bachelor to find his true love. Ah, that runs in the
2: family, it does, does it does indeed. Not. <laughs> number six. He now gives him more time to attend Brewers and Badger
1: games. He is a big fan. And Bucks games. And he Bucks likes, games. He likes the mid-range jumper. He likes the mid-range, let me tell you. So number five. Be like the rest of the world and avoid watching the X-Men movies. There Yeesh. you go. Uh, number four, I do hear
2: Alexandra Daddario and Scarlett Johansson are single now. Oh,
1: baby. Yeah, that's that's not too bad. That's
2: big league stuff. He can get to that level. Yes. He's
1: Aaron freaking Rodgers. All right, number three, throw out all the Munster cheese from his fridge. Okay.
2: See what I did there? Yeah, I see what you did there. Yeah. Number two, just
1: relax. Oh, God. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. <laughs> That's your number two. Alright, challenge or let's see number one here. Challenge his loser brother to a Hail Mary contest for control of the family. Yeah. All right. There we go. You survived your first ever. It's top better
2: than 10. Letterman's top ten, I tell you. <laughs> we could write for his show after that. We could have written for his show. We probably
1: could, just right out of the gate. Yeah, so uh, I think those are pretty good. I think you, you hung in there for your first time. All right, ever. I'm proud of it. I came up with that in like ten minutes. I thought I was really going to have to think hard about it. I'm like... No, I think I got it. Apparently, it's not that hard, to be fair. Jimmy, one week, totally forgot to do it ahead of time and came up with them on the fly, which I could never do. I have to plan all this stuff out. You You
2: need those improvisational skills. They help you in every form of life. Oh, for sure.
1: So I got to work on those, apparently. You know, if if you're paid to talk on the radio, you should probably be good at that stuff. Yes. Whatever. So, hey, let's jump into Brewers, Pilch just because uh, we got Hardcore coming up in just a few minutes, about eight minutes from now so stick around uh but we might as well jump into the brewers first time through the rotation already um i guess what's your biggest takeaway so far from the brewers first five games let's go there
2: well you're two and three and you can't make much of a baseball season five games in i always say in a baseball season as we know it's a marathon i always say you got to give the season till about memorial day till you start to look at where your record is where players are at the kind of seasons they're having that way you've got about a third of the season done and you're getting a better idea of who you are at that point. The biggest takeaway for me is the team's got a 287-team ERA right now, and we knew pitching was going to be the big problem for them coming in because I I think they're going to score runs. I know the offense hasn't been great so far, but I think in the long haul they will score runs. I said this was going to be like a softball team, a lot of 10-7, 9-6 type games this season, but really with the exception of the start of Kyle Davies, the pitching's been outstanding. Junior Gare only gave you three innings on opening day because of the injury, but he was throwing the ball very, very well on that day. Davies just wasn't real sharp, and he had one of those days where he's going to have, because he's a pitch-to-contact guy, and sometimes those balls just fight holes and do weird things to you, and he had one of those days. But you had to be encouraged – You know, Chase Anderson had like a 302 ERA after the All-Star break last year. He gives up one run, three hits over six innings. Last night, Jimmy Nelson was outstanding. And did you notice a noticeable difference in Nelson last night?
1: Yeah, I mean, he just looked confident for bit. Like, i don't
2: know i mean he didn't look confident at all last year but anything else with him did are, you, are you i'm guessing knowing
1: you yeah that you're going that he had a third pitch is that where you're going no no,
2: no he still <laughs> went fastball slider for the most part all right what did i what did i miss He's yet to develop a third pitch in his fourth year his delivery was different he was primarily working out of the stretch last night even with nobody on base he was not using the wind up and Usually you do that to simplify things. When you're having trouble repeating your delivery, and he's a big, gangly, tall guy. It's easy for more legs and arms and pieces to go out of whack on your delivery when you're doing that. He did it last night, was a little more compact, and he hit the strike zone better. So, you know, I've complained about it. I haven't seen a lot of differences with Brewer pitching, with, with pitching development through the years. Um, you can go on and on. I mean, Marco Estrada happens to leave here when he looked like he was a fringe major leaguer. Now he's the ace of the Blue Jay staff. That's not accidental. I can go on and on with the differences, but I saw an actual change with them with what they did with Jimmy Nelson last night. No, and it's, I, it's... I noticed that right off the bat. I'm like, oh, he's working out of the stretch constantly. And that was good.
1: No, it's a, It's definitely good to see any sort of changes. I, I know with Jimmy Nelson and Willie Peralta, two guys that have just never really been able to kind of put it together for a full year. I guess Willie Peralta did have that one year. He had 17 wins. Yeah, he had an outstanding year, um, but he's gone but, down since then. Yeah, yeah exactly. His last three years, I think that was 2014. Uh, but now it's it's good to see any type of changes with these guys' mechanics or deliveries kind of just, just change in order to get them to be a little more confident and, and just be consistent. Because those two guys, that's been their biggest problems is consistency. So, hey, if it's throwing out of the stretch the whole game, then do it. I yeah, mean, if, if it's not affecting velocity and things like that, then go for it.
2: That is something I haven't seen with with them in a long time. You're seeing more pitchers do that now because you're really not losing that much of your stuff. And their stuff's so good anyway. If you lose a mile or two velocity, whoop de doo as long as you're hitting your spots. But that was a good thing to see. And uh, I think they're catching the Cubs at a time where the Cubs aren't really raking yet. You know that team's going to hit as it goes on, and they haven't hit a whole lot yet yeah, Chris Bryant's got what one hit still and it was an infield single yeah, that he last legged night out. Right? <laughs> yeah. so they're catching him at a time where they just don't have it going yet and that happens a lot earlier in the season and you got a good win and it was more or less the Cubs home opener last night because two-thirds of that crowd were Cub fans it's the first chance they've had to see their team since really game five of the World Series last year and they, they almost get two home openers this year, last night, and then later in Chicago, whenever they open, I think it's on Monday.
1: Oh, that drives me crazy. But there's there's nothing you can do about it. I, it just there, there just isn't. I, the fan I loyalty mean, thing? It, we, does, yeah, but come on. I mean, anybody's going to get tickets and they can sell it to anybody they want. That's what I said. And so it, it, it just it doesn't you matter. You know
2: the best way to get around that? Have Nobody come to the game, have your team be better <laughs> well, okay. and they aren't <laughs> as fair. willing to give up the say, tickets. Yeah,
1: in 2011 mm. uh, 2008, uh, the Brewers mm. didn't have any problems selling tickets to no. Brewers fans for they Cums would games. keep
2: them exactly. Um, and
1: you it, know, if somebody wants to
2: offer you, oh hey, I'll give you 500 bucks for that 60 ticket, I get it. Yeah, I do. I get
1: it. No, it's, it's fair. I, I, uh, you know, before we get to break here, I, I just wanted to touch on one thing. You had mentioned kind of the, the Brewers pitching staff as a whole. The bullpen has been surprisingly good. good so far this year. I mean, I thought it was going to be really up and down. Neftali Feliz obviously gave up a home run against Arenado. That was, uh, he's you know, Arenado. That'll yeah, happen. That's, yeah, he's mm. one of the premier hitters and players in the entire league. Uh, but from the, from the most part, I mean, I was looking today. Carlos Torres, Jared Hughes, Jacob Barnes, Corey Kniebel, and Brent Suter have 14 appearances for 16 and a third innings of scoreless baseball.
2: Well, I know you went crazy when you saw they had a couple of guys that could actually throw in the mid to upper 90s now. Yeah. I know you couldn't believe that.
1: Well, for so many years, the Brewers' philosophy in pitching, both starters and relievers, have been like, all right, let's get guys who can't throw that hard, but they can hit the corners. Except when they don't, they get crushed. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's good to see some guys hitting 95, 96. I mean, Willie Peralta was hitting 98 on yeah, the gun the other odd. night. That was amazing. And
2: I know those guns are juiced up a lot for TV and ballpark purposes, but when you see it on the pitch effects tracker that you get on Fox Sports, they don't use a gun. They use the computer software, and that's actually very, very accurate. So that's an accurate reading. Jared Hughes has been a very good reliever throughout his career. With Pittsburgh, Torres kind of finished last season on a pretty good run, and now you added Feliz, the guy who uh, had some good years in Texas if he's healthy. Yeah, we'll see. It's five games in. I'm not going to go too crazy at five out of 162 here, but so f-
0: With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website
1: for details.
2: Far the biggest uh, question mark has been their biggest strength.
1: Yeah, Exactly. And you can't, you know, look, you can't get too high. You can't get too low. Just yes. go cliched athlete uh, response there. But hey. Coming up next, we'll be talking with Tom Hardcourt of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. We'll ask him all sorts of questions about the Brewers, hitters, pitchers, relievers, coaches, whatever you guys want to know. So stick around. This is Big Sports Saturday on the Big 1070.
0: The one-two. And it's a liner in the right center. That's going to fall a base hit. Braun at first, carrying the winning run, and that one misses outside. One out. 3-2 pitch, and it hit him, and the bases are loaded. And it's in the dirt, gets by. Here comes Braun, throw to the plate, and in time, He gets away. Braun scores, and the game is over.
1: That would be Brian Anderson of Fox Sports Wisconsin, calling the weird last inning last night between uh, the Brewers and the Cubs. Brewers winner in 11 innings on a walk-off wild pitch. 'Cause that's a thing that happens a lot. And uh yeah, we now bring in Tom Hardcourt of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Tom, how you doing today, buddy?
3: Good. How's it going?
1: Uh, it's good. Weather's nice here, so can't complain there. I guess I'll just right out of the gate say, uh, when's the last time you've seen a walk off wild pitch?
3: Well, I'm sure I've seen one, but I don't know um when the last time was. It's uh you know certainly not something you see every day and uh you just almost saw it coming, um and Montgomery had thrown some pitches in the dirt, and you know you just wondered if uh, one would get past the catcher, and it did. You know, the funny thing is, is it bounced right back to the catcher. Um, and if he made a good throw back to the plate, they probably would have got Braun. They didn't get the most friendly carom off the backstop.
2: Tom, a lot of people thought this pitching would struggle. I know it's only five games, but a 287 ERA right now with the early going, and you got to be happy with what you're seeing out of the bullpen. Hughes, Feliz, Barnes, it gives the Brewers a few more options, and they've actually got some hard throwers coming out of the pen right now.
3: They do, and they've had to use it a lot the first uh, five games. You know, they went, When uh, Junior Guerra was injured after three innings in the opener and had to go on the DL, and then Davies had a short start in game two, the pen was already being used a lot, and it stabilized a little bit, and, you know, the, start, the last three uh, starting pitchers have all done good jobs, on um, Chase Anderson and um, Jimmy Nelson and Willie Peralta. You know, that helped a little bit. But then last night, you know, you get into an extra inning game, and uh, you know, they've played, uh, what, three three or four one-on games already. And so, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how, how they uh, – the bullpen does going forward because it's been used a lot. And yesterday they dropped down from eight to seven relief pitchers in the bullpen when uh, Franklin reported Nick Franklin, and it went back to five guys on the bench. So uh, we'll see how it goes. But that that was definitely an exciting first game against the Cubs. Uh, that you know the Brewers, you know, would like to be the Cubs. They're, they're in a much earlier stage of their rebuild than the Cubs were, and the Cubs won the World Series last year, so if the Brewers can get their rebuild to work in the same fashion, they'll be very pleased.
2: A lot of times I've been critical of the Brewers when it comes to pitching development. Jimmy Nelson not really coming up with a good third pitch for a number of years now, but I did notice some differences last night with him, Tom. I saw him working out of the stretch a lot with nobody on. I If he was doing that in spring training, I never noticed, but this is something new for him.
3: Well, he's, you know he modified his delivery late last season, he's it's basically pitching out of the stretch uh, all the time and um he's trying he tried to do that cuz his command just got away from him last year his walk weight his walk rate went way up uh, last year and you know, he threw the ball with much better command in, in spring training and his first start was very encouraging as well he's you know throwing a split fingered change up which is a uh, you know kind of a different grip off of a change up and showing more confidence in that because he had been hard, hard, mostly a fastball slider guy. And so he's trying to show him some, you know, a little something off speed to uh, keep him guessing. And so definitely an encouraging first outing for Jimmy Nelson.
1: Yeah, Talking with Tom Harsgård here at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel on Big Sports Saturday. Tom, I guess if we transition to hitters here, uh, a lot of the new guys showing up so far this year. I, I think I was looking at the top five batting averages, are are some of the new players for the Brewers or Brewers making their first year uh, here with the team. Um, I guess, you know, Jesus Agliar Tra- or Travis Shaw, Eric Thames, which guy has kind of impressed you the most so far this year?
3: Well, Shaw got off to a great slugging start. He had four doubles and a homer in his first three games. And, you know, he's been batting cleanup, and that's what you want out of your cleanup here. A guy that. Drives the ball and he's done a good job against righties and lefties. You know, Aguilar was the story of spring training, and and now he's had a good first week. He's swung the bat so well that he's made uh, Craig Council find ways to get him in there. He's a, he's a first baseman only, so if you play him at first, that means Thames has to play in the outfield or not play. And so it's uh, you know it's it's nice to have a guy like that that you didn't expect to have an impact and. And last night he you know, for a big guy he showed some good movement around the back at first too. He started two huge three six three double plays that got him out of some late jams. So you know, he's been an encouraging guy. Sometimes you find the guy out of nowhere and if he keeps playing like that, he's gonna fit that category.
1: Well so to go from encouraging guys to a little bit of discouraging from the offensive standpoint, Jonathan VR so far having a kind of a a tough year to start you know, I think ten strikeouts already. Um I mean I, do we think he's pressing to try to, to live up to last year, or I mean, is it just kind of just an early season funk? What, what are we thinking here?
3: Well, he um he struggled at the plate ever since he came back from the World Baseball Classic. He was on the on Dominican Republic team and he didn't play. Robinson Cano was the second baseman and he only got like five at bats, and so he went a couple of weeks without playing much and. You know, I think it hurt him as far as his timing at the plate and and also getting some work in at his new position, second base. So, you know, he hasn't gotten going yet. Um, You know, whether he's pressing or not, who knows. We've only played five games, so all it takes is one good game and all of a sudden all that stuff's forgotten.
2: Tommy Malone's going to make his debut as a starter today. And, you know, we had mentioned how often the bullpen had been used Lately, but with a guy like Malone, I don't know how stretched out he is, so what are you expecting six innings at the most? Maybe five chances are they have to go to that bullpen quite a bit again tonight.
3: yeah, I'm sure they'd love to get six um but um you know, they stretched them out in spring training as a starter, so um I think he could probably at least go ninety pitches tonight and uh you know as we just said, the bullpen's been used a lot lately. They would you know love to love to get five or six innings out of him and not have to uh Use so many guys out of the pen, so we'll see. It's um, you know, it's uh, a lefty in the ball in the uh, rotation. They haven't had many of those in the last few years, so it, it would be nice if he could uh, carry his own until uh, Garrett gets back, and then uh, make him make a tough decision when that happens.
1: So Keon Broxton last night did get in at bat, uh, struck out, but it was definitely good to see him batting again. Uh, I guess I was I was worried it was going to be a little more long-term here. I guess, do we know his status moving forward? I mean, is he good to go, or is it going to be kind of limited for, for a few days? Do we know?
3: Well, the fact that he played last night is very encouraging. You know, it's amazing to get hit in the face and then play the next day. Um, yeah and so and that just shows you his determination as well he you know he said he wanted to get back in there as soon as he could so it wouldn't be shocking to me if he started tonight uh, they may take it slow with him one more day but um you know that that he got off very lucky that was a scary incident and thank god he was wearing that um protective slap on his helmet
2: and real quickly, Tom, uh, about twenty-eight, almost twenty-nine thousand last night. I got to think most were Cubs fans. I was a little surprised that wasn't closer to a sellout last night. It's, I know it was almost a first opening day for the Cubs, but uh, did it have that atmosphere you were expecting? And were you surprised the crowd was it a little larger?
3: Well, I wasn't. I didn't cover the game last night, so I wasn't there. I was working on my uh, Sunday column and other things, and so. Um, yeah, I don't know about the atmosphere. It's usually a lot of Cubs fans there, uh, when they, uh, when those teams play. I'm sure it'll be a lot more of them, uh, today and tomorrow. The weather's very nice. Wouldn't surprise me if a lot of Cubs fans come up and probably spend the, you know, you can spend one night and see two games of a night game and then a day game. So it's always a bipartisan crowd when the Brewers play the Cubs and they haven't played at home yet and, um, um, they'll be having their ring ceremony next week and, you know, getting going at Wrigley Field. So uh, it's it's kind of par for the course, but that was kind of an uplifting win for the Brewers last night, so maybe some of their fans will show up as well these next two days.
1: All right, that's Tom Hargicourt from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Tom, thanks so much for joining Big Sports Saturday today, all right?
3: All right, thanks. You guys have a good day. You too, Tom. Thanks
1: all righty well that was uh, that was good that was good i mean the brewers for you know has it obviously looked they're two and three but th- there's been a lot of encouraging signs there's been some uh you know some not so great things i think vr striking out so much scares me a little bit but uh it's, it's
2: well it's hard to get too scared or too high five games into i know to I, a baseball season like i said this is that's me what,
1: you know, i overreact uh, yeah, this is do. what i do
2: <laughs> i give it at least about a third of the season that's memorial day once you hit memorial day i think you can start looking around see where you are in the standings see what kind of guys what kind of seasons guys are having maybe even give it the first week of june so we got a long way to go but encouraging signs really the first time through the rotation for the brewers and like i said i think part of it too the cubs just aren't hitting much yet outside of hayward and contreras Nobody's exactly putting up big numbers, so they might be catching the Cubs at the right time, and that's a big part of it.
1: Yeah, I should mention two quality starts from Brewers starting pitching through the or through the rotation. Once one of them was, you know, doesn't include Willie Peralta's five scoreless innings and Junior Guerra was on his Which way. Which is to
2: silly. Win. You can't go five.
1: Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your
2: steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social Casino style games that you can play for free anytime,
0: anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, little, Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. DDW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
2: Shut out innings is a quality start. Junior Guerra kind of
1: doesn't count. So, but uh, from a couple of quality starts to a guy who should be quality starting but isn't, Jimmy Cusco will be joining us next to tell us where the heck he is, what the heck he's doing, and why he's avoiding the show. So uh, stick around on the Big 1070. This is Big Sports Saturday. Welcome back to Big Sports Saturday with Mike Pilch filling in for Jimmy Cuska, And we would cut to Jimmy Cuska live from his bunker right now. But Jimmy didn't want to answer his phone, so... We're just going to wait. Maybe maybe we'll connect with him later. Maybe we won't.
2: He's doing something. When he told me what he was doing today, I looked at him, and I couldn't help but smile. That is one of the geekiest, nerdiest things I've ever heard of, and it's also one of the awesomest things I've ever heard of. So I'm not going to spill the beans as to what he's doing until we actually get him on the air. You so. know, there
1: was a while, he told me about this a while ago, and there was a chance where we were going to get Bo Jackson on the show Yeah, because of it. So yeah. I, I won't, you know, maybe that's a little hint, but uh, yeah. So way to go. By the way, Jimmy is big timing his own show right now. That's hmm. what he's doing. Yeah, kind of. How do you big time your own? I mean, that's how I much know. he's made it. That's how big he is in this market now that he can big time his guess. own show.
2: I guess. I don't know. He Priorities, that's what it comes down to. That's that's amazing.
1: Uh, all right. Well, hey, I mean, I, I guess before we finish Brewers for now, we can we can get back into it plenty later. And, and you know, once again, we do have Ted Davis coming up at eleven. So uh, stay tuned for that. We'll talk Bucks because Bucks right now is uh, oh they're struggling a little bit. They've lost a few games here. Are you really surprised
2: at that? I mean, I know they were playing great, and I know they've kind of fallen off the deep end with the, the last three losses, but it seems like a lot when you're not a really good team, after you've had a real hot stretch, you usually follow that up with a real cold stretch. That's just kind of the way it goes. And the Bucks, despite the fact that if they're playing really well, could be competitive, and I think outside of Cleveland, maybe even win a first-round series, especially, I think, if they get Boston in that first round. But they could be certainly competitive and fun. But uh, unless you're a really elite team, it's not rare to fall back like this. And we'll get Ted's take. I mean, we saw how good this team played once Chris Middleton came back, and it wasn't so much that he gave him another option, along with Giannis and along with Malcolm Brogdon. But their defense got significantly better once Middleton came back, too. Maybe Middleton's Mm -hmm. legs aren't under him because he just missed so much time. Not having Brogdon has certainly changed things because you have one less option. And Brogdon was becoming a big shot guy at the end of games, which you always look for.
1: He had that game winner against the Celtics, Exactly. And and and
2: he's, he's been a little fearless in taking those shots, which you like to see, but... You don't have him as another option right now, and you've given up a lot of points in these three losses. And that game against Indiana... I think that was just the night where you didn't have it and Indiana was hot. And I know you beat the Pacers the first three times this year, but it's awful tough to beat anybody four times in a season. The, so the odds that just that weren't Pacer real game, good.
1: That Pacer game was bad. It was ugly. I mean, it was that ugly. was next-level bad. I tuned into the fourth quarter. And that quarter. came on the heels
2: of a 30-point loss in OKC. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, so I, I tuned into the fourth quarter, you know, somewhere midway through the third quarter, actually. And it just seemed like every single possession the Bucks were are fouling on defense. They were going yeah. down the court, said, doing no offense, just basically one on one isolation. Uh, would miss the shot, then obviously go down and foul. Or the other team, you know, or the Pacers were making every single basket because the defense just was lapsing on every play. I mean, look, I mean, you can. Maybe that's one of those games where, you know, it's the throw away the tape game. You just ignore it, just move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Normally, may- I would say it is, yeah, but not on bad. the heels of a 30-point loss. Well, And, and not on the heels. Of, you know what? If they had won that game, they would have locked up their playoff spot. Correct. You know, so it's like, all right, here we go. We have a chance to lock up a playoff spot, and we completely bombed out.
2: Well, that brings up the question. Some people have posed, Joel, the Bucs are so close to getting to the playoffs. Maybe they're playing tight now is yeah. it possible because this well, is a group of players that don't outside of maybe Jason Terry that don't know what it's like to win you know this is a young team going through these these steps They've got a little more attention on them. Their game was flexed in the ESPN's Tuesday night contest in OKC because of the way they were playing. And cause that, was of Giannis, a, that was a
1: boat race, by the yeah, way. Yeah,
2: whenever they've been on ESPN this year, it has not gone well for them. But
1: well, wait, they were on ESPN for that Knicks game that uh, Giannis had yeah, the That was earlier in it? the year. Yeah, but Giannis,
2: well, I guess what I mean by that is Giannis know, didn't I... go off in that game the way ESPN was hoping for. But nonetheless, it, it wasn't a good look for you. And you wonder if they're tightening up a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a young team, so it's certainly possible to do that. And and you know, one of the things I want to ask Ted about when we get there is you know, Malcolm Brogdon has what, missed three games and they've lost yep. those three games. And, you know, Malcolm Brogdon has been a very big part of the you know, the team this year. He's potential rookie of the year candidate. I mean, that's I would put him as rookie of the year. Uh but I mean, can he really make that much of a difference that suddenly three games, the whole team goes down the tank? I mean, yeah, I I guess that's what I'm confused
2: about. I would say probably not. I mean, I think if you lose Giannis, he can make that much of a a difference. I don't know if it's the case with Malcolm Brogdon. I don't know what it is. I mean, Um,
1: maybe it's just that.
2: Remember, the Bucs have had stretches like this earlier in the years. As excited as we were, remember, this is still a young team and they don't know how to win. And. Quite frankly, despite all the winning and the winning streak, they're still only a game over five hundred playing in the East. So they're still not that good, and I think you can't change your expectations for this team. I think as long as they get to the postseason, take it. I don't think you even say to yourself, what a playoff series, if you're competitive in that first playoff series, fine. You don't want to get beaten up in four games or five games. But I think if you can be competitive and play well and just get to the postseason, that's the building block you were looking for this year anyway. Am I right? I think next year's the year you maybe look at maybe getting it around two.
1: Yeah. I mean I look all I know is I just want to I just want to see the Bucks actually vie for a winning uh you know, a playoff series. I mean, what, they haven't done it since 2000, 2001?
2: 2001, 2001, when yeah, they so got to I, the I Eastern just, fin- That That is the longest streak in the NBA, yeah, by the way. and
1: I just, I don't buy the theory that, hey, just getting there. Look at that experience that they earned because you know, they got gentleman swept in the first round. That's not experience. That's experience in losing. All right? The, well, the Bucks needed some experience in really pushing a team. Really, you know, making a, a show of themselves. What, you're like they,
2: ta- what year are you talking about? The gentleman sweep.
1: Oh no, no no! I'm just saying in general, like that's okay. always a big theory. That hey, because if they a team the team gets the eight seed and then they get swept, you know, the gentleman sweep four one. Oh, that was a big learning experience. No, it wasn't. They got crushed by the number one team. And so you know, if I don't want the Bucks to to get into the playoffs, even you know, and just maybe win their two home games and then get blown out the other ones like I, I just don't want that you need I want to see this team actually push for something and if they let's say they don't win I would still love to see a seven game series out of it well that's like, really what you want to see it that's
2: what I said be competitive in your playoff series yeah I think if you, get get think if you avoid game. Cleveland you can certainly be and, and I mean even in Cleveland you could beat Cleveland once certainly and maybe you can give them a run in some of those games you're not going to beat them I don't know that you're going to beat Boston Atlanta or Washington either but I think your odds of being very competitive in in those series, especially if you get Boston, because I just think Boston—they've only got one real score, and Isaiah Thomas. They don't have a lot after that. I think Brad Stevens can flat out coach.
1: Boston's a weird team.
2: They are. You. You. They. It seems like they do it with smoke and mirrors. With Washington, you've got John Wall and Bradley Beal who can beat you. With Atlanta, you've got the and you've got and you've got uh, Kyle Lowry. So you've got a couple of options there. I just think in Atlanta, or uh, I'm sorry, Toronto a pretty good defensive team too. So. I don't know. I think it'd rather match up with Boston. But I, who cares at this point? Just get in and try to be competitive so, is what you're looking for. So
1: I guess, is there a team you'd like to see the Bucks face? Boston. Boston's the team. I just
2: think that I could be wrong. I just think they'd match up better with them. But I, I don't know. I mean, something tells me Washington's going to be a tougher out than people think. That's just the gut feeling I have. Toronto's good, but they've been a little banged up. I don't know. I, I don't know what out of them. I just think when you look at Boston there's one real scoring option there. And I think Brad Stevens has a lot to do with the way they win. And, and I guess it's them, but again, I'm not expecting to win a first round series. I want you to get there. I want you to be competitive. You're, you're still a ways off here. Year two next year is the year that you try to be a lot better, maybe get a higher seat and what a playoff series. And then 2019, your first year in the new building is that the year you're circling on your calendar to say, all right, Cleveland's going to be a lot older then. Who knows what they're they're going to be Uh, two years from now. You could have a balance of power shift in the East at that point. Maybe that's when we can at least get to the conference finals. But uh, I think this year, just get in and try to be competitive and see what you can do in that first round.
1: I'm going to say something really cliched here, but uh, they say that diamonds are created by pressure. I want the most pressure situation possible. I think uh yeah, Celtics, if that you know, look, the Celtics are two seeds, so the Bucs would have to drop to a seven seed. Which um, could happen. Yeah, it could happen. But I but I would love that matchup just because it would be a bigger spotlight on TV, uh more people watching, I think more pressure on the Bucks and and also a matchup that I think the Bucks could potentially take if in, in the right scenario, if they're playing up to par and you know, Brogdon's back, things like that. Uh that's what I want to see. The Raptors would be great, but the Raptors, I don't know. I mean, what do you know about the Raptors? I feel like nobody knows anything about them, and they're I always know good.
2: I know that they play in Toronto, yeah, and they've got uh, Kyle Drake Lowry and Demar DeMote, uh, DeRozan, and they've got Serge Ibaka, and they got to the Eastern Finals last year, and were beaten by Cleveland in basically a six-game sweep. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I I'm not worried about that too much. I I just look at the Bucks. I mean, you're only a game out of Chicago and Indiana right now. The Heat are two out. I, I mean, the odds of the Bucks not getting into the playoffs are slim. You win two games, you're going to get in. You have to beat Philadelphia tonight, a team that mailed it in a long time ago. There's really no excuse to not beat the Sixers tonight. If you lose tonight, then you put some pressure on yourselves, and then you start saying, oh, boy. But I don't think that's going to
1: happen tonight. By the way, the 76ers, 28 and 51 this season, that represents a massive upgrade. So For them, it is. There's, yeah. that. there's that. All right. Well, hey, we're going to try to check in again with Jimmy. We'll see if he can, you know, big time the show twice in a row. But we're going to try to check in with him next. And uh, Ted Davis around the top of the hour. And uh, yeah, stick around. This is Big Sports Saturday on the Big 1070. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to Big Sports Saturday on the Big 1070. Mike Pilch filling in for Jimmy Kuska today. And, uh, well, actually, let's just go right to him. Jimmy Kuska's on the horn. Jimmy, how you doing, buddy? Hey, what's going on? I'm here
4: in Madison. I'm actually down at the High Noon Saloon. Not day drinking, not yet. Uh, Here for Techmo Madison. A full day of video games, and uh, I get to be here for the whole day. It's pretty awesome.
2: So you are basically spending your day at a national and international Tecmo Bowl championship, am I right? Tecmo Super Bowl championship.
4: Yep, and uh, I'll be broadcasting the live streams at TecmoMadison.com today, so it should be pretty fun. So So you're you're basically
2: calling play-by-play of Tecmo Super Bowl all day.
4: It's been like a dream of mine since I was like, you know, nine years old. So I finally get to live it out here at the ripe old age of thirty-two. So
2: that's why I said that is the nerdiest and geekiest thing I've ever heard of, yet the awesomest thing I've ever heard of in my life.
4: You know, I never thought my broadcasting career would ever take me to a a place where uh, two hundred—it's a two hundred ninety-two person tournament. You know, so there's a lot. There's a lot going on here. Uh, They got this place filled wall to wall with the old CRT monitor. You know, the, the big, the big bulky TVs. Uh, which is pretty awesome. It's it's like taking a slice out of the '90s and dropping it in here. Uh, yeah, this is it's it, it's pretty incredible and, and a terrific setup too. But uh, yeah, I, like you said, it, it's it's not only the geekiest and nerdiest thing I've probably not that I've ever done, but up there. Uh, but it's definitely pretty awesome.
1: Oh, well, Jimmy! Look, the the money in esports. That's where it's at now. Counter Strike, Global Offensive, all that stuff. I mean, Call of Duty. I mean, what this is? This is just your foray into a huge money making opportunity. Am I right?
4: I don't know about a huge money making opportunity, <laughs> but it's definitely a lot of fun. And yeah, we've we've talked about it, you know, with, with us on the show that esports is getting to be really big. And one of the areas that's really growing is retro gaming. So retro esports, Tecmo Super Bowl just happens to be one of the better organized. Tecmo ones like Street Fighter, the old Street Fighter games. I mean, they have a huge following. Super Smash Brothers, things like that. They, they've got a huge following in esports communities. But uh, this is definitely one of the the more or one of the best organized, anyway. And it happens to be local to us, right here in Madison. This is the 13th year they've held it here, and it's regarded uh, very widely as the premier Tecmo Super Bowl Championship.
1: Wow, the premier! There we go, fancy. I guess my big question here—I mean, obviously, I, I didn't really grow up playing Tecmo Super Bowl, uh, but I do know—I do know that Bo Jackson is basically God in that game. Oh my! Um, so, are, are the teams not allowed to play as the Raiders? Like, how's that work?
4: You know, uh, they actually, what they do uh, in terms of the matchups, uh, when they when they have the two players go head-to-head, they flip a coin, one person picks the matchup and the other person picks which team they want to play. So uh, if you pick the Raiders, there's a 50-50 chance, he, you know, you, you won't get the play as them. So uh, I, I think that people that do play the Raiders, Raiders, like any team in the game, have weaknesses. They're obviously one of the better teams because they're one of the faster teams, including Bo Jackson, but uh, every team has got weaknesses, and, and the elite players here... Uh the people and I say elite players, these guys would smoke any of any of us three in a game, uh, easily. You know, it's funny. <laughs> uh, they, they are very good. They have strategies to stop all of that. So uh yeah, the Raiders you would think would be one of those teams that that people would just gravitate towards. They're one of the fastest for sure and one of the better teams, but there are ways to stop it. Uh, you know, it, it's it's funny because that's what I thought coming in too, like, hey, let's just all play as the Raiders and win, but you know, they're not banned. In fact, the only thing that is banned in this tournament is Something called lurching, that's where you take the nose tackle and you dive at the quarterback after the snap. That's the only banned thing in all the play here.
2: And uh, that is that is something you can't avoid in Tecmo Super Bowl. The nose tackle sack, whatever you lurching, what? I guess it's it's no the nose. <laughs> it's impossible to avoid if wow. you know how to do it in that game. You've never played. You weren't in the Golden Age of, of uh, video games, Joel. So oh, you don't clearly, know this, yeah. But you know, I was going to say the Raiders were maybe the fourth or fifth best team on there. I thought San Francisco, Buffalo, and Houston were maybe the top three.
4: Yeah, and there's certain matchups that are exploiting all that. You're right. There are there are definitely a, a group of matchups. I that, mean, Jerry Rice is
2: quadruple to. teamed, and he'll catch it every time.
3: Yeah, yeah
4: it, it's it, there are definitely groups of teams and strategies that people gravitate towards. But like I said, if you pick a matchup and, and you're not prepared to play as one of the two teams in the matchup, you know, chances are you'll have a bad night. But again, a lot of the good players here, they played as all the teams. They know the ins and outs of every team's strengths and weaknesses, and that's what's going to be fun about it. You don't really know what to expect until the game actually gets going.
1: Wow. Well, okay. Well, Jimmy, I mean, I'm glad that you you called in at least to the show. I didn't even, you know, give the show that kind of courtesy two weeks ago. So, uh, well, because I mean...
4: you were out getting a pedicure or something. Hey, uh, yeah, oh, man. Hey, he,
1: can you believe he does that? There's nothing wrong
2: with a pedicure. I, oh I go with my, my gosh, wife. I go that with my is... wife can get him. <laughs>
1: They're, they're like great. the
2: most feminine thing you can do they make your feet feel like butter I mean it's great I'm sure they do but
1: boy I don't know about that man to be fair that's not what I was doing but I do like pedicures. so I'm oh, okay I will defend gosh. that until I die Jimmy. Oh. uh thanks thanks for uh, joining on or joining us here to, and jumping on today all right
4: it's always great to join the program my co-host
1: oh and then okay wait <laughs> so so you're streaming right so where can we find that stream
4: techmomad.com will have it all coming up here pretty quickly they're supposed to go at 11 but it's going to be delayed. Five about fifteen minutes, but techvillemadison com, and if you just want to come see it, high noon saloon here in Madison, on East Washington.
1: All right, thanks, buddy. We'll uh, we'll talk yep. to you next week. All right. Yep. All right. There's uh, Jimmy Cusco joining the show. I should have mentioned, too, he has to broadcast, I'm pretty sure, for something like 10 hours. Yeah, he does. he gets like two 15-minute breaks. So I'm guessing he's going to be like, remember that story a couple years ago, the the Florida astronaut lady who drove in her diaper for like 10 hours? It's basically going to be Jimmy today.
2: Okay. I didn't need that visual at all. (laughs) But it's a Saturday morning, so we don't care right now. That's kind of how it works. I don't know. Uh, I can't believe you missed the golden age of Tecmo Super Bowl. Have you ever really played it?
1: Uh, no, I, ha- okay. I you know I didn't grow up with a Sega Genesis. Is that is that what system it's on? It was I don't on even
2: Nintendo, know. the original oh. Nintendo. Oh my! But oh there's my. emulators you can play. They, I mean, I've got to get you hooked up. You could even play it online now. But Look, that's Jimmy. A,
1: that's his thing. I'm more of a FIFA guy. If you're going to go sporting games, you know. All right. NHL '94, you know, NHL '96, NHL '96. '94 worked too, um, but yeah, that was the, the one that got days, me hooked.
2: Man, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, a lot to get to there.
2: We've had a lot of <laughs> Bucks discussion and Brewers discussion. The Brewers, well, first time through the rotation, a eight seventy RA, the bullpen's shown signs of actually having some hard throwers coming out there that can shorten a game for you a little bit. And a lot of discussion about the Bucks. We've got Ted Davis, the voice of the Milwaukee Bucks, going to join us at 11:15. Apparently, he just got off the bus in Philadelphia. I assume the Bucks are probably having their shoot around right now getting ready for it. So, um, that that would be my assumption. Maybe I would think they're already in Philadelphia, but either way, he'll be at 11-15. We'll get his thoughts on this three-game slump the Bucks have been in. Joel also has some heavy thoughts, and I know the Masters is going on. We may touch on that a bit, but Joel has some strong thoughts on Tony Romo's youth infusion into the broadcast booth and this Yadier Molina thing. Uh, so we only got about two minutes. Which way did you want to go here?
1: Let's go Yachty here right. for this segment, just because I, I, I want to spend a little more time talking the Tony Romo thing. I, I, I'm not talking about that in terms of you know, Phil Simms' replacement or if that was fair or anything like that. I just uh, I want to bring it towards a baseball thing. Mm-hmm. We'll get onto that later. Uh, I guess what I just don't understand about the Yachty air, look, the play earlier this week where he uh, took a bouncing pitch and it stuck to his chest protector... No real explanation as to why it's been suggested maybe it was pine tar. But if you look at the video, it wasn't re- it does not look like you would see pine the tar. pine
2: tar on a bright red yeah. chest
1: protector. Um, so I guess I guess I, you know, MLB did an investigation, quote, yes. unquote, and said nothing went, you know, nothing to see here. Move along, folks. And and, uh, you know, Yadier laughed at reporters basically who asked if there might have been a foreign substance on there. Even He's though not I think gonna answer I that. think that's a perfectly fair question to ask. I guess what drives me crazy is. Something happened in the St. Louis game that basically broke the laws of physics, and we're supposed to pretend like there maybe wasn't an ulterior motive there. I mean, if you can get any substance or anything that stops the ball from bouncing away farther, that's an advantage. Uh, if you can get a substance on it that you can rub the ball on, that you can give to a pitcher, that's an advantage, because we always think that pitchers have that, but we don't think... You know, we, we don't think of the well, catchers catcher do the work stuff. a lot of the time. Um, so I guess what I, I guess I don't really understand just why this isn't a more serious issue. I mean, do, do you care about this more? Like, I seem to care about this more than most people. I, do. I
2: don't care about it as much as you do. I don't see what it could be. I, I, if it's a substance, it would be obvious. Some people have said maybe there was an emery board that it got stuck to. I don't know how it can get stuck to an emery board. Now, it's not out of the question. A catcher has an emery board strategically located somewhere to rub up a ball. I said during the week Yogi Berra and Elston Howard in the 50s and 60s were famous for taking the ball when Whitey Ford threw it.
1: Yeah, and we all remember where we were when that happened. And
2: the connectors on the (laughs) shin guards, where you put them together, the metal pieces, they'd accidentally, I'm using air quotes, hit the ball against that to scuff it before throwing it back to Whitey Ford. There's all kinds of things a catcher can do to scuff up a ball. They'll get emery boards the color of their glove and hide them in their glove somewhere, and then... then, uh, Mike Scott did that throughout the 80s where he would have an emery board under his glove. He'd take it out to rub up the ball, and that's how he got that great splitter movement. There's a lot of things. I don't see anything obvious here. Major League Baseball investigated it. I don't think they just completely threw it under the rug.
1: I I don't know how the ball stuck there. I mean, but... Well, okay, wait. So that's my thing. Like, okay, we've seen the replay. There's a ball just sticking to a guy. That doesn't happen. So there's some explanation. If we're just going to move on from this... How does that make any sense? I mean, it's like this. I don't know. It's it's like Loch Ness. All right. There has to be some sort of explanation here. The ball stuck to his chest protector. That doesn't just happen. Yeah,
2: I, I don't know. I mean, there could be. But, you know, pitchers can sweat on a hot, humid day and you wind up throwing a spitter because of the perspiration.
1: How sticky is your sweat?
2: I have never tested it. <laughs> All but right, I, I don't know. It's weird. I'll give you that. I, I I don't know. I'm not convinced it's something illegal.
1: All right, we'll discuss more about this. Tony Romo. will speak with Ted Davis of the Bucks, the voice of the Bucks, at about 11:15 uh, on the
0: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at
1: LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On Big Sports Saturday. This is Big Sports Saturday
0: on the Big 1070, 1070 AM, and 100.9 FM. Your morning look at the biggest sports stories of the weekend. Catch the show on the iHeartRadio app. Or at big 1070com with Jimmy Cuska. No, 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 no. I don't do two takes. Print it. I'll be in my three-story trailer. And Joel Finkelman. Picking up your sarcasm. Well, I should hope so because I'm laying it on pretty thin. Welcome to Big Sports Saturday.
1: Oh, no Jimmy Cuska, Just Joel. And Mike Pilch filling in on Big Sports Saturday. And look, we uh, we were just trying to talking about or Molina during the break, during the last segment. I guess, Pilch, I, I don't know. This bothers me. A ball stuck to his chest protector. I mm. still have no explanation from the league other than nothing to see here, Niedermeyer, move along, folks. Everything's calm. Remain mm-hmm. calm. I, have you got an explanation? No.
2: I, I just, you know, it's funny. I haven't seen a lot of talk about this on social media anywhere either. It just doesn't seem I saw it. It was weird. It's not something that is explainable with the laws of physics. I know nothing about physics, but I'm I'm guessing that's not part of the thing. When a ball just sticks to a chest protector and is hanging on and floating yeah, unless, in midair, unless but,
1: Yadier has like a a large uh, gravitational pull that we don't know about. Well, maybe which, the maybe way the Earth's well. axis
2: was spinning <laughs> and Jupiter and the Moon were lined up at a perfectly. Targeted yeah. atmosphere. Could I be. don't know what I'm talking about. No, no I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's not pine tar. You would see the pine tar if there was a foreign substance on his chest protector. That's a bright red chest protector he wears. I don't see anything there. I don't know what what it would be. And and what's funny is I didn't see that game, but did any of the hitters for the Cubs the rest of the game asked check the ball after that? I would. For, have. for the rest of the game. My guess is major leaguers are on top of that. I mean, a ball goes in the dirt. They're like, check that ball immediately. My guess is the Cubs would have been on top of that if there was any hanky-panky going on. So <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I mean, this is something that it's weird, but I'm not convinced there's nefarious deeds going on either. I'm just, okay. I'm not. I, don't look. Know. I wouldn't be surprised if there are, but I'm also not convinced that there's
1: not. I mean, look. The the Cardinals in my eyes, and maybe this is because I'm a jaded Brewer fan. But, you don't like uh, them. It, do the you? Cardinals in my eyes are the Patriots of Major mm-hmm. League Baseball. I mean, they they kind of will try little things here and there to get a bit of an advantage. Yeah, every team does that. This is the team that hacked the Astros database. That was weird. Um, that was yeah. not a great look. And I know that they went with the old political. It was a rogue official. Well, it we was. had nothing to do with that. Well, that's what they say. Yeah, we I don't think know it was. that. Okay, sure. <laughs> you don't know, uh, but so it's like, look, this this uh, this entire team has kind of an image of, hey, uh, we're a really good franchise, but we'll also push the boundaries a little bit. And I don't know if it's hairspray or something invisible that's on his, you know, uh, protector that might cause stickiness. You know, that that would help with grip, by the way, hairspray. Um, I don't know what it is. I just it just bugs me that there isn't some sort of explanation other than uh.
2: Well, it's odd too that the umpires didn't even inspect his Yeah, the first thing I would have done is I
1: would have demanded that he took it off and I you know just uh, is there magnets in it? I mean like what the heck is going on here? Uh, it, uh, I don't know. Um it, it, it just bothers me. You
2: know, in terms of denying it to reporters, that's something you're always going to do because if you come out and admit you cheated, you're in a lot of trouble. So it's not a surprise he would do that. Um It doesn't seem like a lot of people are really investigating this. I know people in Chicago and other cities that don't like the Cardinals are having a field day with it. Uh, Chicago's having a field day with all of our teams because you have this issue with Molina. Did you see how they represented the Aaron Rodgers-Olivia Munn breakup?
1: Yeah, didn't they tweet out something like how I'm feeling on a Friday with just a sad Aaron Rodgers? Well,
2: no, and what they did, they totally trolled him. It was pretty epic on their part. Olivia Munn breaks up with a boyfriend.
1: Yeah! Oh, yeah! Yeah, the <laughs> that's Tribune. the only
2: way they said that's pretty good. You know, okay. I, I had to give them that.
1: So I saw that from the Chicago Press as well as yeah, the Chicago Bears uh, f- like Twitter account tweeted out just a gif of Aaron Rodgers like sadly shaking his head and, yeah. and you know referring to the breakup, obviously. Um, you know, I'll say this: uh, the Jay Cutler received a lot of guff from Packers fans, right? Yeah, from they gave him a lot of wins, yeah, you know, from the fans. Uh, I can't say that uh, there was really the Packers Twitter account. I can't say ever really gave Jay Cutler a bunch of crap. Uh, I can't say that the Packers, uh, you know, various papers, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, uh, you know, any other publication. I can't say that they gave Jay Cutler any, gar- or you know, crap. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a great look when, you know, uh, when your official team Twitter account is trashing a guy that has absolutely torched your team uh, over the years. I mean, Aaron Rodgers' stats against the Bears are unassailable. Uh, it's something like 39 touchdowns. Yeah. Like, I mean, it just, he kills him every year. So maybe don't poke the bear. Cause I, you remember how I, on uh, number nine of the top 10 of 10, referenced the chip on his shoulder? Yes. I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that Aaron Rodgers may just remember that the Bears' Twitter account did that. I mean, that, that may yeah. have gotten to well, Aaron Rodgers. The
2: Bears are going to be so bad this year, you're not going to have to give him any extra motivation.
1: Well, that's what I'm saying. So now if Rodgers says, well, I could throw four touchdowns against him, or I could throw six, you know, <laughs> he's going to. try I'm guessing that those games, that, that first be. game against the Bears. Pad your MVP stats there a little bit, maybe. It might be a little fun. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah.
2: I, you know, you know Aaron's going to be fine. Like I said, Alexander Dario, I think, is a free agent.
1: <laughs> you're really <laughs> Scarlett
2: Johansson just got divorced for the second time, so she's that's, a free agent.
1: That's the direction to go, I think. Scarlett Johansson? Yeah, I think really? Rogers. Oh, All yeah. right. Oh, well, she plays a machine in every movie, so I don't know. Not just that's that, just
2: something... but he'd be moving up the rankings. I, I made the argument yesterday. Olivia Munn, you walk down the street in, I don't know, Seattle. I don't know that everyone's going to know who Olivia Munn is. I don't know that she's as yeah. big a deal as people in Wisconsin make her out to be. She's good to look at. She was in... The Newsroom with Jeff Daniels. I've actually never seen it. I've heard it's quite good. And I remember she was a couple of episodes of New Girl. Yes, I've seen New Girl here and there.
1: Yeah, and you're making fun of me for my pedicure, apparently.
2: Oh, huh? give me a break. <laughs> not even a comparable <laughs> discussion there. But uh, nonetheless... I LeBron mean, LeBron James gets pedicures, just saying. A lot of athletes actually do. Yeah, because it it's good for your feet. Feel better, exactly. Yeah. Um, huh, weird. Huh. But nonetheless... But you're not an athlete, so that just makes you weird. <laughs> um, but nonetheless... You try to play softball. (laughs) I don't even know what I was talking about. Now you threw me off. But well, no, okay, nonetheless, about... he could move up yeah. in the stratosphere of Hollywood. here. Move up the power rankings. Exactly. I mean, look,
1: we're not sitting here uh, just talking about Olivia Munn's looks. I mean, it's just, yeah, she's she's in X-Men. She's in the newsroom. And I don't think I've ever actually watched her in anything. You know who I yeah. have seen in stuff? Scarlett
2: Johansson. Yeah.
1: He's he's an A-lister. He should move up the, the rankings. Sh-
2: yeah, yeah. This is his
1: chance to upgrade, man. Get a free agent in or bring a free agent in maybe to town. A,
2: maybe a model
1: from somewhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, maybe European or something, Ooh, you know, yeah. that, that sounds right up his alley.
2: That is we're we're up the right thing. Is there, there any
1: Kardashians available? I mean, oh, don't
2: go that route. <laughs> no, no. That brings you down. OK. Yeah. That brings you down immediately. You don't want to go there. You're yeah, doing that because you you're dating a Kardashian because I mean, maybe you like them, but chances are there's a good chance you want to make your name bigger and get out there and expand your brand a little bit more. I is, think
1: is Jessica Simpson. Is she single? Uh, who cares? I mean, I, I'm just thinking of, you know, people know. that athletes dated at one time. Are, oh, Carolyn Wozniacki? Rolo.
2: She was with was Rory, JJ right?
1: Watt a while
2: too oh, as well it? as Rory Mac. Well, she was with JJ Watt at the final 4.
1: Oh yeah. And then I don't know if that was Rory a thing or not. She was with Rory. Then they were like Rory. engaged or something.
2: Yeah, she's got the reputation for being a little different. So I don't know. I don't know that that's an, e- an easy one, but uh, there's a lot of options out there. I like
1: how we're talking potential Aaron Rodgers that's free agent What it's here. all
2: about. I mean, that was the hot button topic all week, wasn't it? Or once oh. it was announced. Yeah, I
1: mean, what, Thursday or yes, Come good, on. Good Lord. I can't believe that was a news story. Uh, all right. Hey, real quick. Uh, we just got a couple minutes here before we uh, had to break, and we're getting Ted Davis on. And one of the questions I want to ask Ted Davis is about the MVP race. So I guess let me ask you. I mean, Ted
2: will have an opinion on who Aaron Rodgers should date, by oh, the way.
1: Well, we'll ask him that, too. Don't worry. But yeah. no. OK. MVP. NBA. Yeah. Uh, who you, I mean, look, it's basically season's ending this week. What do you got?
2: Let me say something about the MVP when it comes to basketball, the NFL, baseball, hockey. I don't care. I am one of the few people, I might be the only person I know, and I know myself pretty well. I don't care about MVP awards. I actually care about them more in, say, a playoff series. I make a little bit bigger deal about it. But I don't care because you can look at Kevin Durant, you can look at LeBron, you can look at James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Kawhi Leonard, and you can make a legitimate argument for all of them, I can buy the pros and cons you give me. And theoretically, you could probably give it to any one of them, and I wouldn't care. Kind of like the NFL MVP. You could have given it to Matt Ryan, who you did. You could have given it to Aaron Rodgers, Zeke Elliott, Tom Brady. And I understood the arguments for them, and I understood the arguments against them. And in the end... I would have been fine with any of them winning. And everyone's got their own opinion of an MVP. Is it the guy who just had the best year? Is it truly the guy who's most valuable to his team and for the success his team had? Um, Then you can say, well, he played on a team loaded with superstars. Of course he's going to be better. This guy brought a team on his own. You can make so many arguments. There's no clear-cut criteria to everyone. And then there's the argument of, oh, you got to be on a winner. you got to be on a winner. Well, do you? I mean, then you get into the MVP versus most outstanding player argument, and I just don't care about it. It's not something – I can give you my opinion on it on another segment here, Joel, but it's something I've never made a big deal about.
1: Well, look, what, what is, confuses me a little bit about this is I, I think at this moment it looks like Russell Westbrook is going to win. that's That would be my guess my if, issue if with, I was a betting man. I'll say this off the top. My
2: issue with James Harden is I still play as much defense in an NBA game as he does, watching that's not, him play. That's I know not true. he's better than he was. But he still doesn't play anywhere near as much as the other guys on that list.
1: Westbrook also isn't guarding the other
2: teams. Westbrook, one. you're right. Westbrook doesn't do a lot of it either. But, you're but
1: right. here is my, you know, just my one thing that I'm confused about. If if Westbrook at this point, I think he's going to win it. I think he's guaranteed the triple double at this point. Yeah, but yeah, if which he is averaged, amazing. If he, yeah, it is. But if he averaged nine point nine rebounds per game, you know, didn't get the triple double, I promised you that James Harden would be the MVP. I don't know.
2: I think it's going to be one of those two to get it, but I don't know. I yeah. mean, and then there's LeBron, who is still the best player every year.
1: Yeah, we'll have to ask Ted his thoughts, and uh, you know, see, uh, see, maybe who's been the most impressive person that he's seen this year on the court. Uh, you know, non-buck, obviously, and uh, we'll talk with Ted next, the voice of the Milwaukee Bucks on the Big Sports Saturday on the Big Ten Seventy. hello everybody welcome back into big sports saturday on the on the big 1070 i'm with mike pilch today who's filling in for jimmy Cuska, and we are now gonna be joined by the voice of the milwaukee bucks ted davis ted how are you doing this morning
5: uh good afternoon guys i'm doing fine
1: well, i guess it is an afternoon out where you're at you're, you're in philly currently right yep all right well hey we uh we were just talking during our last segment now about a ridiculous topic. I think these are some of your favorite topics. Uh we we brought up Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers uh a single man now and uh, we were kind of giving our suggestions for his biggest uh you know free agent pickup that he could make. A uh, potential new uh girlfriend. Uh, any any favorites in the clubhouse you're seeing?
5: Uh Scarlett Johansson, go for her.
1: That's what we said basically. There we go. That's yeah. excellent. Yeah. I I said Scarlett
2: Johansson and Alexandra Daddario would have to be the top of that. Well, Ted, Three losses in a row after this team played so well, so incredibly well, and listening to you call the game, it was obvious hearing the excitement in your voice, but I see a story in the Journal Sentinel, is this a situation where this team knows it's getting closer to securing a playoff berth, they're a young team, maybe not used to this situation, do you think they're tightening up at all with these uh, last three games?
5: I think that's possible. I think they played a little tense uh, in Oklahoma City, and I do think they played uh, somewhat tentatively in Indiana. Uh, but, you know, it, 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 they should win this game tonight. Come on, let's be honest. Yes. The Sixers are a team that right now has most of their roster out. So you've you got to win this one tonight. There's a scenario where you could clinch tonight if you win and either Chicago, Indiana, or Miami lose. If any one of those teams lose and the Bucs win, the Bucks clinch a playoff spot. They don't clinch their seed, but they clinch a spot. And the most likely uh, thing to happen tonight would be for Miami to lose at Washington. So there's a very real possibility that the Bucks could go ahead and clinch tonight. And I think if they win two games, if they can win tonight and win Monday at home against Charlotte, I think they'll finish no worse than six.
1: No, that would be pretty good. That'd be good to see. I think anything, you know, Raptors or Celtics would be a fun matchup in the first round, but... uh I guess, all right, so uh, Brogdon's been out the last few games here, Malcolm Brogdon. And I guess 2 part question here real quick. Uh, are we going to be seeing him soon? I mean, what's the update on him? And then also, what, what's the biggest difference been without him on the court these last three games?
5: Well, they've really missed him. Uh, you know, they're 1-3 since he went out. And uh, he was playing extremely well uh, prior to that back flaring up again. Uh, the last two games he was on the floor at Charlotte and at Boston, he had 19 assists and one turnover in two games mm. and was just directing things out there. He, he, he doesn't look like a rookie. He looks like a veteran now, and they have missed him. They've had a hole there at point guard with Della Vadova starting and Gary Payton, too, coming off the bench and Jason Terry playing some there, but they haven't been doing the job that Malcolm Brogdon has been doing. Now, when we'll see him again, uh, I think we could see him on Monday. Uh, Everything I've been told about the back is that it is not structural. There's nothing structural wrong with his back. It's just muscular. And if anybody's ever had back spasms, which I've had, it does take a while to calm down the spasms. And that's what they're doing now. It's my understanding he's had uh, pretty hard workouts the last two days back in Milwaukee on uh, Thursday and Friday, which tells me that he's making progress. And if there's no setback, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him on the floor Monday.
2: Talking to the voice of the Bucks, Ted Davis, and Chris Middleton came back. He provided a spark. I thought the defense picked up extremely well once Middleton got back. The defense hasn't been as good lately. Is this a situation where he's just having a tired period uh, with his legs, maybe not used to being out there much, or is he just flat out in a slump?
5: He's in a shooting slump. Um, you don't know if it's leg-related, fatigue-related, or just a slump, which can happen. Shooters go into slumps, and then all of a sudden they'll come out. Uh, he's only been 36% in his last three games. He's a much better shooter than that. We know that. And I think tonight could be a recipe for him to, to have a big game against the Philadelphia team that uh, gave up 141 points a couple of games ago against the Brooklyn Nets. So uh, they might be ripe for the picking to uh, to jumpstart your offense. And I think get a feel-good win tonight. If you struggle tonight, uh, you know, that's going to be uh, kind of an alarming uh, mm-hmm. indicator but you just got to win this one, whether it's pretty or ugly. Somehow, you just got to win this game.
1: All right. Well, that would be uh, that would certainly be nice to see, just to kind of steady the waters there. But hey, uh, in in terms of a potential playoff opponent, uh, we kind of mentioned. Obviously, they're not set in stone yet. Uh, I guess what's the uh, what's the best and worst matchups that the Bucks could potentially face coming up here?
5: Well, we we've talked a lot about that, and they were one and three against the Wizards. But they played all four games against Washington without Chris Middleton. They were 1-3 against the Toronto Raptors, but the one game the Bucks won, they had Middleton, and the Raptors didn't have Kyle Lowry, mm-hmm. which is a big loss for them. Uh, Boston, they're 1-1 one one against Boston. They lost to them in overtime and got that big win in Boston. I actually think the better matchup right now might be Boston, Uh, There are some who think that the Wizards would be a good matchup right now because their depth is not very good. They don't have a great bench. And then there are others who feel that Toronto might be a team uh, to play right now because Lowry is just now coming back. I don't agree with that one. I think Lowry makes them uh, a much better ball club. They've won 8 of 10 now, and that's why I think they'll beat Miami uh, at home tonight in Washington. So I would say right now the two best matchups probably would be either the Wizards or the Celtics.
2: I agreed with you. I said the other thing with Boston is they seem to get it done with smoke and mirrors. Isaiah Thomas is the only score. Brad Stevens can coach. But uh, I was looking along the same line. Are you feeling more excitement from fans? And what's the kind of feedback you get, I guess more specifically from NBA people, from what they have seen from this Young Bucks team, who at times has shown they can be exciting, fun to watch, and competitive with the better teams? Are other people in the league seeming to take notice of what they could be in, say, two years?
5: Well, I think so. Uh, In particular, if Thon Maker continues to develop the way I think he will, Uh, they could be a really dangerous team in two years uh, with the additions they can make in the draft and perhaps in free agency and with Giannis continuing to develop, which I think he will. I think by the time they go into the new arena, if everybody stays healthy and Jabari Parker can come back to, even a reasonable level of play, yeah, this could be a a team that could finish in the top four, certainly, in the Eastern Conference. And you think at some point in the next two, three, four years, age has got to start catching up to LeBron James a little bit, doesn't it? Uh, He can't be dominant into his 17th, 18th year. uh, So it may be a good time to be getting good here in the next three to four years. I think there's the excitement about this team was growing when they went 14-3 and over a 17-game period, and then it's been tampered, uh, tamped down a little bit by the three-game losing streak where you get blown out in back-to-back games. It's been that kind of a year for the Bucks. Uh, I've said all along, I describe this team as being really, really good until they're not, and then they play poorly until they don't, and that's pretty much what they do. And maybe they'll go out and play well tonight, and all of a sudden they'll have it click back in.
1: I like that. That's good. All right. Hey, uh, before we let you go here, I wanted to ask you about the MVP race. Uh, we were just discussing this a little bit last segment. I guess in your mind, you've you've seen all these teams. Uh, first off, who's, who's your pick for MVP? And then you know, who's the most outstanding player, I guess? Like who's the most fun to watch uh, on any given night for you this year?
5: Uh, my MVP pick right now would be Westbrook, just on the historic nature of what he's doing hasn't been done in something like 56 years where he will average a triple-double for a season. Only the second guy ever to do that. That's remarkable. Mm-hmm. I think you have to reward that. If there was ever a year to have a co-MVP, this probably would be the year, because I think James Harden has done enough to get votes, too. And if, if you said you voted for Harden and I said I voted for Westbrook, neither one of us would be wrong. Right. I think LeBron James is a candidate. I think Kawhi Leonard is a candidate. But it will come down to either Harden or Westbrook. And I think right now, to answer your question, I think the two guys that I really enjoy watching in the league right now the most are Westbrook, just because of the way he plays and the, the fierceness and the velocity with which he plays, and Giannis Adetokounmpo. I think they're the two most exciting players in the game today.
1: No, I think that's understandable. Hey, I guess, uh, let me just pitch you a hypothetical. Um, if Westbrook didn't get the triple-double, let's say he was, you know, a 9.8 rebounds or something, I mean, are you, st- are you still thinking he's the MVP, or is it really more because of the triple-double?
5: I think it's the, the triple-double. I, that's just so historic. Uh, for a long time, people felt, well, it's never going to happen again. Nobody can do it for a, a full season. Well, he has. So I think, given that history has been made, and the number of triple doubles he had this year, which is also record-setting, uh, I, I think it has to go to Westbrook.
1: All right. Well, very cool. Thank you so much for joining us, Ted. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll hopefully keep in touch with you guys, and and we'll be or we'll be listening tonight on the Big Ten seventy at five forty. So thanks for uh, tuning in today. All right. All right. Thank you. All right. That was Ted Davis. Man, I. I don't look I don't blame the pick of of Russell Westbrook in fact I totally understand it I would probably make it myself if I was a voter um I just I do wonder though about the you know if he didn't have ten rebounds or if he didn't have ten assists if it was mm, really close. I
2: think the average person would look at nine point eight and say that's ten.
1: I know, but it's still you it know, it wouldn't it's be just officially
2: a triple double, but it would be it
1: is an arbitrary thing. It's something that we made up, you know. It's
2: it's an astounding thing. It's only happened one other time in NBA history. And The other thing I don't get is he is all Oklahoma City has offensively. And he goes out and does something every single night. They've got some size on that team. They've got some length. But they don't have any other scoring options than Westbrook. Yet he still puts up ridiculous numbers. That's amazing when you know your defense is going to be keying in on you. I don't know why you just don't double and triple team them all the time and make old big uh, ponytailed Adams hit an outside jumper or something. But, you know, that's the way it's been. I agree that He'd be my pick if I had to give one, but like I said, he, Harden, Westbrook, uh LeBron and Kawhi Leonard give it to any of them. I, I still hold Harden back a little cuz you got to play some defense. I know you get mad when I say that, but I just you know, I think
1: he's a little uh, bit better now. But no, I, I, I get I, you. I get I, you.
2: I I don't care either. I think you could give it to either one of those guys, any one of those guys and I'm not going to go crazy.
1: All right, fair enough. Well, hey, when we come back here I have a way that MLB can reach out to younger fans, fix the game like they always say they want to, but never actually do. I have a way... The Rob
2: Manfred's legitimately trying
1: Uh, Yeah, Yeah. I have a way that they can actually do that. I'll tell you about that. On the other side, this is Big Sports Saturday on the Big 1070. There
3: are many reasons, basically, that I felt this was the right decision it really had nothing to do with the Texans it had everything to do with CBS and the team that they have the ability to work alongside of Jim Nance and um, just knowing what I wanted to do the next 15 20 30 years I really felt as though it was the right decision at the right at this time and, and uh, you know I'm really excited about the new challenge ahead
1: you know when I think of the things that I want to do for the next 15 20 years sitting next to Jim Nance is pretty high on that list let me tell you I just can Welcome back into Big Sports Saturday. Mike Pilch filling in for Jimmy Kuska. I'm Joel Finkelman. I'm here, you know, every week, except for when I'm getting pedicures, apparently, according to Jimmy. Uh, all right. The reason, the reason I played that Tony Romo drop here is because I think the MLB can learn something from what the NFL and, you know, namely CBS just did with Tony Romo. But Pilch... I heard that there was some uh is there some some like breaking news well it depends on <laughs> it
2: depends on how big the breaking news is this is big for you because oh baby, here you we go. are one of the quintessential NFL live and die the NFL's the greatest thing since sliced bread
1: all right well give us your best uh, newsman read here
2: no oh. uh the NFL <laughs> will release Joel oh. 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 Will release its preseason schedule Ugh. at 4 p.m. Monday.
1: Are you? Yes, that's what you didn't tell me this ahead of time. That's what you build up. For? That
2: is making the rounds on Twitter, and people are excited. Wow, that does deserve a wow. Hold on, people gotta... are excited. First of all, it's mindlessness that you get excited over them releasing. Oh my
0: god, who the hell cares?
2: Couldn't have said it any better. Couldn't uh, have said it any better. People make a big deal out of anything with the NFL logo on it. They make a big deal out of the release of the schedule. I don't give a rat's poo-ha about it. That is and now, so I'm telling you, you look it up on Twitter, it is making the rounds. People excited over the preseason schedule.
1: Uh, okay, well, I'm glad that you ruined that. Thanks. I was I was looking forward to some breaking news that was real. Uh, all right, all right. So let's, let's actually get into this, shall we? Uh, all right, so the uh CBS NFL basically they get Tony Romo in the booth and what you know what caught my eye about this wasn't the fact that they're replacing Phil Sims who wasn't good anymore and you know you're just wrong if you don't think that that's true uh but what 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 I noticed about this is that the I don't know CBS and the NFL seems to be getting a little younger in the booth recently uh I mean besides Romo obviously just coming out of the league in in his 30s, you know, you got had guys like Rondé Barber, John Lynch, who I remember playing. You know, I remember those guys playing, and I'm 27 years old. So, you know, getting guys into the booth, mostly in the color position, that, that people in my generation uh, can connect with, can remember playing, can remember the stories that they're talking about or the players that they're talking about. Whereas baseball, the sport that, uh, you know— Pilch, I think you would agree with this, would would basically go out of its way to say that they're having trouble keeping younger demographics involved. Mm -hmm. Baseball, on the other hand, pretty much sticks with guys who are 65 and up for color positions everywhere. Not
2: anymore. But I have to say, when Tim McCarver was there, they had to get rid of that guy. That guy was so out of touch with the younger generation. And he and Joe Buck sounded bored doing games together. They had just very little chemistry. That was brutal. But going John Smoltz is not a bad route. That's fine. He's very good, and people remember him. Well, I, I have no issue with that. And then, if you look at the ESPN broadcast, you've got Aaron Boone, a recent player on yep. there, I, and Jessica Mendoza I have no problem with. I think she does a pretty good job. You look at a lot of the color guys, Rick Sutcliffe's not your generation, but he's not completely removed, and at least he's got a bit of a personality. I think ESPN does a pretty good job with it. So, they've gone the younger route. I don't know that they've got is there a really old-time color guy really doing games at the big level there now? I don't think there is.
1: I don't think so. And and McCarver was probably the
2: number one example And he of this. was out of it. He was um, kind of square. He just was.
1: But really, if you... I mean, I did a little Google search of teams' TV crews, and a lot of their color guys, for the most part, are above the age of 60 in baseball. Uh, I looked up. You talked
2: about local teams. Yeah, for all okay. the local TV coverage,
1: I looked up. Uh, let's see, uh, Fox's NFL broadcast crews. All the mm-hmm. teams from last season. The oldest guy on any of those crews was Matt Millen at fifty nine.
2: Yeah, I, that was the I, oldest guy. How old are local color guys in the NBA? I'm willing the best. I mean, Austin Carr with the Cavs. The guys with the I mean, there's there's some there's some age on color broadcasts at the. NBA, Now the NBA
1: has the advantage of it's just a sport that works with young people. It just does. All right. Young people like the NBA. I mean, because it's really good on social media, which, once again, baseball's not. The NBA, if a dunk happens, it's amazing. It is literally on Twitter about six seconds after it happened. Uh, MLB, if something amazing happens, oh, that's right. It's copyright infringed. You can't put it on Twitter. You can't. Nope. None of that stuff. Because why would you want to see that? Yeah. Same thing with the NFL. Don't understand that because it works phenomenally in the NBA. But hey, why why reach out to these young well, people? Well, the
2: NBA has been better at marketing itself than any other sport, yes. and it's not even close and i I got to be honest with you, Joel, other than rooting for the team you root for, say it's the bucks or somebody else, I don't know many people that care about the NBA at all. I really don't, but the nBA isn't driven by the teams. it is driven by the personality and the stars. And even if they don't follow it on a regular basis, they do look at the dunks and some of the athleticism and somebody's crossover. And, hey, Kyrie Irving just broke this guy's legs. He just killed a guy right on the court. It's like going back to the Space <laughs> Jam days. He just killed a guy on the court. Well,
1: no, and that's, that's why the NBA can get away with having any they, announcers they want. because They market because their players.
2: What they do is baseball is huge regionally. If your team is good, it's a big deal. But when you get into the postseason, unless it's Cubs, Yankees, Red Sox, Dodgers, it doesn't necessarily carry over to the national broadcast. And a lot of that is because they don't sell the superstars. If you sell the superstars on those individual teams, it starts to carry over more. Nationally, that's what you see with the NBA. A lot of people don't care about the Rockets, the Warriors, the Cavs, but they're a fan of LeBron. They're a fan of James Harden. They watch for the players. And not for the team or the market size in there. That's kind of the difference. Now, I'll say this. Let's say, and I made this point to you earlier. Let's say instead of Golden State Cleveland where you've got Curry, Durant, Thompson, LeBron, Kyrie, Love, big names playing in the finals. Let's say it's the runner-ups from last year in each conference you got Oklahoma city from last year playing Toronto. You think those ratings are anywhere near as high as they were for Cleveland? No, those ratings are circling the drain. So it's still market-based, but, but it's all about the individual player in it more than it is. I think the actual basketball or the sport, I agree. They got to do other things to, to wheel in the young generation. And I think a lot of it simply comes down to marketing because like I've said, they don't have an issue with kids playing the game. And if you look at a lot of the local television ratings, again, regionally here, you look at Cleveland now, you look at Houston, you look at whatever teams at the top of the standings, their local TV numbers are huge. That's not an issue. It just doesn't translate once your team's knocked out.
1: No, oh, but see, okay. So what I basically, what I, you know, the argument I'm trying to make here is that what I like about this Tony Romo thing. Phil Sims to me, you know, Kinda. I just, he wasn't. Actually... It's bad when
2: my own mother can't stand listening to Phil yeah, Sims. It, that's it, it not wasn't, a good thing.
1: It wasn't great. And now, so the Packers obviously don't play. Uh, that's my team. The Packers don't play on CBS very much, but when they do, it's generally a, a Jim Nance game, which I go, right. yay to. Uh, but now I'm going to have to deal with, you know, hello, friends. Uh, but hey, guess what? Tony Romo is going to be there, and you know what's going to be interesting about Tony Romo announcing a Packer game is he's going to say, "Oh man, let me tell you about playing against Aaron Rodgers. Let me right. tell you about playing against if player he can X, do Y, that and well. Z. We don't know that he can do that well yet. But I, I think he'll be just fine. I think I have they, they have time too. to coach him up, and that's what I'm saying though. So if you get a guy he seems like, like Tony a bright Romo, guy. yeah, and if you get a guy like Tony Romo in there, someone who just played or has just recently stopped playing. The, the stories they can tell are about the actual players, and it in this
2: modern age of offense and yeah, passing rule changes. It's, yeah. it's
1: not. Let me tell you this time that I played against Dick Butkus, and, yeah. and people my age go, "Look, I know who that is," but uh, you know, it's just right. the story's going to go right over our heads. And I'm sorry to all the people who say, "Well, I got to know that. You got to know your history. You got to do the research." That's fine. I agree. History is important I to I mean, sports. if you're doing
2: a sports show, you should know things about Dick Buckus. Yeah. And I mean, I, in all fairness, you really I do. should. Yes. I do.
1: But I, but I'm saying, if you are trying to get the general fan, not the fanatic right. who's already involved, but right. the general fan, and you're trying to get a younger demographic, baseball, <clears throat> maybe don't have people tell stories about, like, Frank Tanana's days on the mound. <laughs> That's Just saying. A good call. Like, here's, here's my... Actually, tell you what. We'll, we'll take a break here real quick. Uh, and and I'll, I'll, I'll lay out a hypothetical. I mean, right. so I think... The the traditional sense, let's say that Bill Schroeder was was to retire, and this isn't happening. I'm not breaking any news. I like Bill Schroeder. But Bill Schroeder
2: is okay with the younger crowd; yes. he can have fun, and because be... he
1: pokes fun at himself, exactly. that's part of the key. Uh, but let's say he was going to retire. The general rule of thumb would be: let's replace him with another guy who was around the '80s and the the you know the the heydays of the Brewers. Mm-hmm. But I feel like uh, there's a, like what happens if they could throw out a guy like Corey Hart? Maybe someone like right. you know what I'm saying? So like Jeff I just,
2: Jenkins, Mark Loretta, somebody like yes, that even. Yeah.
1: Think about that. I just you know we'll, we'll we'll get into this a little bit more and we'll finish up the show on the other side. Uh, lots of fun things to talk about. We'll, we'll probably touch a little more on Brewers. I got a, I got a quick question okay. to ask you there too. So all that and more on the other side. This is Big Sports Saturday on the Big Ten Seventy. Look, maybe I'm just a young whippersnapper here who needs to get off somebody's yard, but I just want to see some youth in the booth. Hashtag youth in the booth. I like it.
2: That's good, actually. All right, so
1: Tony Romo, I,
2: I get it. You just think he's going to connect to the younger crowd. It's funny because...
1: I think he's going to connect to all crowds because anybody who watches football now, right now, knows who Tony Romo is. So they'll connect with Tony Romo because they obviously they were just watching him. You know, I mean, this is old people as well. But the young people can refer to, you know, for the next 15 years of him being a, a you know, a comment, color commentator, there will probably be still some player in the league that he can refer to either playing out with or knowing.
2: It's funny, when Bonnie Bernstein, she got a little flack last week, and I actually agreed with her. I retweeted it saying, this is a guy just off his NFL career. No broadcasting experience whatsoever. Let's put him on the number one national team. Gee, that makes sense. But yeah, the thing, and, and as there. somebody in the broadcasting industry, that annoys you, and that's where a lot of the bitterness people have in this industry comes from. But they don't care about that. They know Tony Romo is a name. He's almost a brand in himself, and that alone is going to get people to turn in tune in. And the only way he drops out is if he and Nance just don't have a great
1: oh they'll be able to talk about golf if they don't, don't have something
2: along. going on in the booth together or he's just bad people are still going to tune in and they don't care about that for this kind of position it's unfortunate but that's how the business works and this is a very subjective business to what people like and don't like in the booth anyway so that's just the way it works it's unfortunate when you're in this business and you see it happen but i also get where cbs is coming from so
1: yeah, that's. I mean, so look, I, I don't want people to sit here and think that I'm saying, "Hey, get all the old people out." That is absolutely not what I'm saying. Uh, but I'm, I, I just think that there should be some sort of effort. Uh, you know, maybe when when certain people do retire from their positions in any league, that that you should bring it should make a little bit of a youth movement. I mean, look, to be a color commentator in football doesn't exactly take the the greatest skill set of all time. Um, oh, come on. And to be a really good one's not as easy as you think there, Joel. I'm not saying a really good that. one, but for the most part, a color guy. I mean, John, Madden I've heard in some football, color
2: guys that were awful.
1: John Madden in football basically just said, oh, I'll look over here in a circle design and Brett Favre. I mean, that was, that was basically and John boom. Madden. Boom. And I loved it. You know? well, I mean, he worked, but he also, the
2: thing with Madden is he was just a unique personality. And you could tell he was loving every second of being
1: in the booth when he was there. Yeah. You could tell he was loving well, it. Well, and that's, so that carries over. And that's, so look, that's probably one of the reasons why Phil Sims maybe didn't work out super well towards uh, the end. I mean, I,
2: my mother couldn't stand Phil Sims because she felt he talked too much and he was too opinionated.
1: He also didn't say anything when he did talk. Yeah. You he know, I mean, there's a did. difference between well, speaking. Well, he
2: threw it to the wide open receiver and the reason he went to that receiver is because he was open.
1: Yeah. That's what I'm saying. There's a difference between filling time with your words and speaking. <laughs> And then he did that. He he filled time with his words pretty well. Uh, I I don't know. I, I guess baseball for me that this all comes to back to baseball. I just baseball. I think has a lot of ways where they they complain about how they they have a trouble reaching a young fans. You know, fans everywhere. Well, but, they haven't
2: tried to either. Yeah, that's but that's part the, thing. Of the problem. But
1: there's easy little changes to the game and things like the booths and all that stuff that they can do. I mean, easy changes. And they just kind of repeatedly well, don't. John do that.
2: Smoltz is an upgrade.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It just so if, they did that as weird as you know, because you don't think of John Smoltz as a young guy, but no, in, but in his business, he kind of
2: is. Well, but he played in the '90s and early 2000s. I mean, he's a guy that does translate well, and he's just does an outstanding job with his his. Uh, Color analysis. I think John Smoltz is fine. And look at uh,
1: Alex Rodriguez.
2: He's outstanding.
1: He was and I hate to admit it, but
2: the guy's great and. I could see him moving up the ladder quickly. He's really good. I wouldn't be surprised and, if that happens. And you
1: know what's great about Alex Rodriguez, too? If he ends up becoming a you know a, a regular color guy. I mean, I think eventually they got to get him out of the studio and get him into a booth. I think that'll happen soon. Um, but, you know, like, let's say he joins uh, Joe Buck, you know, on the, on the World Series broadcast. With Smoltz, those um, three. Yeah, those three would be great. I mean, and guess what? A-Rod would be able to talk about every single player because he's played against you know 90% of the guys in the league at this point. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the guys who just joined, he hasn't. But What do you do against high-velocity pitching like this,
2: A-Rod? What is it you do when you're facing a guy throwing 98? Yeah, or what do you, what what is is you change? You do? What is it you do?
1: Or what is it you do against the pitcher who's actually pitching in the game? Right. What, what is you, your approach you fa- in this situation? Yeah, how yeah. did you face him? Not, not you know, hey, uh, how, did you, how did you face Frank Howard? I know he wasn't a pitcher, but you get what I'm saying. Well,
2: you're going a little—I think you're going a little too extreme. I understand what you're saying, and I agree with what you're saying. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if A-Rod moves up into the booth at all pretty soon. How do you feel about the NBA broadcast? I like Breen, but what do you think of Van Gundy and uh, Jackson in there?
1: I mean, once again, those two guys fit my mold of— younger guys, maybe not, maybe not Gundy, but uh, Mark Jackson's a younger guy. Ish, and, yeah. He just coached in the league recently so he knows the players really well and can tell stories about current players. What about Hubie um, Brown in there? Hubie Brown, is, he's a little older. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he's
2: outstanding, though.
1: He is. He is. Um, Hubie Brown, I, I don't know. Look, It's kind of a case-by-case basis sometimes. And, and Hubie Brown, for me, he's good to go. I, I don't Because I've heard
2: some NBA guys doing some ESPN games that are bad. <laughs> bad um, they're not good some of them
1: yeah a lot of the announcing crews in uh in the nba bad. particularly local crews are they're not bad. are not great no <laughs> um, they're bad who's the who's the announcer for the uh he's like the color guy for uh, the celtics and he's just like the I biggest know. homer in the history of mankind i have no idea oh well there we go that that ruined that all right well <laughs> i don't know Look, all I want as a takeaway here is that I think that there's stuff that baseball can do that can fix their problem with young fans or at least start to make a foray into that area. And I think a lot of that comes down to youth. No, I think that's youth. fair. And I I, th- I don't do you think, think more it's people be would tune in changes. if
2: Corey Hart were doing a color broadcast for the Brewers.
1: I mean, it always comes down to whether or not they're good exactly. or not. But I think if, yeah, let's say they brought in, let's, I don't know why I came up with Corey Hart, but no, he's, he's a good re- example. Young and he's retired. Let's say they brought in Corey Hart mm. for this hypothetical position and. He was really good. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I do think more people would tune in. You know, because he'd be sitting there telling you about. Let me tell you about uh, the kind of leader Craig Council is. Because oh yeah, I played with him. Let me know the right field
2: corner in Miller Park's tough because of this reason. Oh yeah, because I was there for seven years. And the the wind pattern in this stadium will blow the ball in this direction, so I got to run this route. Yeah. Hey Joel, I, I believe it's that time. Is it not?
1: Oh, it is. Of course. All
0: right. It's Saturday night. I have no date. A two-liter bottle of Shasta and my all-Rush mixtape. Let's rock.
1: Let's rock. I don't know why. I just love that so much. <laughs> yeah, so hey, just a couple minutes to wrap up the show today. What, what do you want to touch on? We-
2: do the Brewers win the Cubs series?
1: Oh, well, they got the first game, right?
2: Do they win one more, Rachel? Uh Who's on the mound today? Kyle, uh, Kyle uh, Hendricks, I think, tonight? Kyle Hendricks and Tommy Malone.
1: Uh, I'm going to go with no. They okay, do
2: not. so the Cubs win the next two. All right. Yeah. Do the Bucks win their next two to secure a playoff berth? They're at Philly tonight, who you've got to beat, and then Charlotte on Monday.
1: I'm going to go with yes. I think they kind of need to, just from a confidence standpoint. I uh, wouldn't. Uh, you know, they're they're on the road tonight, and they've lost to Philly before this season in some ugly games. So maybe not. Maybe not the greatest, but I, I think they'll be. They'll take care of Charlotte. And does that's so for tonight as well.
2: Does Aaron Rodgers move up the Hollywood food chain with his next girlfriend?
1: Up? Yes. Or is it someone we've never heard of? Because you never know. Well, there which way does he go? That's what I want to know. I'm thinking he moves his way up. Climbs does, the social uh, ladder of Scarlett Hollywood. Scarlett Johansson or somebody. Yeah. Okay. Here, let me ask you one. Uh, what, uh, what's what been your biggest takeaway for the Brewers so far? Just Good five pitching. Games. Good pitching? Good pitching. My biggest takeaway has been, well... The new guys. Once again, the the top five the top five batting averages on the team. I mean, I know it's only five games, but are all new guys. They're all swinging the bat the bat well. I mean, even Manny Pena swinging the bat well.
2: Yeah, five games. I don't get too crazy over I, it.
1: You look. I I know. I'm yeah. aware.
2: And real quickly, yesterday was National Beer Day. Did you celebrate?
1: Uh, I had a spotted cow. Okay, so I guess I I partook. You know, hey, you didn't Masters. celebrate
2: it a big way, but no. you had a beer to
1: celebrate. I got a National show to beer wake Day. up for. I got to wake up and be no. coherent. For you wouldn't be the first Saturday. one to
2: ever not do that. Come no.
1: on, there we go. That's true. Hey, Masters leaderboard: Charlie Hoffman, Sergio Garcia, Thomas Peters, and Ricky Fowler are at the top of the leaderboard. Who you got?
2: I'd love to see Ricky Fowler win it. Young guy, big fan. I would love to see him win it. Hoffman, I just don't see him hanging on. I love the fact Freddie Couples is still doing some things. I'd say Ricky Fowler.
1: All right. I would like that, too. All right. Well, that's it for Big Sports Saturday. Thanks to Mike Pilch. Thanks, Jimmy Kuska and uh, all of our other guests. We will see you guys next time on Big Sports Saturday. With lucky landslots,
0: you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?